everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. And today we are talking about some mysteries. We've been waiting and waiting uh, since uh, I think it was April or May the, to get a mystery movie from Hallmark. We got two in October. We're going to be talking about them. I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Me Too is here. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> How are you doing? Pretty solid. As you know, I love the Hallmark mystery movies, so I am excited to chat about these with yeah. you. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be fun. And it's, I know you've been on the show a number of times, but just for the record, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody about what you you do with your podcast? For sure. My name is Mitu and I co-host a podcast called the pilot podcast with one of my best friends, BJ, who has also been on Hallmarkies, I believe, or at least I know he's been on the Francast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the pilot ep- on the pilot podcast, we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer our listeners' question: Should I watch this? There is so much premiering all the time, and we try to cut through the noise and help watch some of it for you to let you know whether it's worth tuning in. Yeah, it's a good. I was actually just listening yesterday uh, to uh, some of the episodes as I was driving up to uh, to Ogden to review a show, and uh, it's it's a really fun. I love the dynamic that you both have, and you both have your perspectives. I was listening to uh, you talk about Andor and uh, the uh, oh. the Star Wars Hive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am wow. not part of Star Wars Hive, so <laughs> BJ definitely had to anchor that one. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That's really good. Uh, well, so yes, we're talking about two mystery movies that aired in October, and you all know that I don't tend to lean negative. I try to be as positive as possible, and we will be so. Uh, but I always hate it when I'm doing a um, recap where I don't like any of the movies, uh, and I try to avoid that, but... It couldn't be avoided this time. Uh, uh, these both didn't really work for me, uh, but we're going to have uh, a fun time talking about it. And uh, and of course, we know it's hard to make movies. And so uh, we don't want to ostracize anybody or be seen as a negative podcast. But, you know, we got to keep it real. Uh, so, yes, uh, overall, I guess, did you have the same sort of feeling about both of these uh uh, you didn't, or did you enjoy them more than me? I think I enjoyed them a little bit more than you did. For me, it was more that they were such dark entries into the mm-hmm. world of the Hallmark movie mysteries. When although these movies are about murder, I'm not accustomed to them being this gritty and this dark, especially mm-hmm. within some of the interpersonal relationships that they show. I just found myself kind of feeling sad for a lot of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely they were on the darker side. There was almost a crime noir feel to mm-hmm. particularly the Francesca one. Yeah. Uh, and it, the narration added to that, you know, it, I felt like, oh, am I in a Humphrey Bogart movie? Also? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> almost like a who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. She went into the dark alley. <laughs> Didn't know what was coming. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what you got. Uh, so um, it's true. It is they they did uh, go a little darker, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if for Nikki and Nora if they end up doing more. I know they're 
really excited about Hunter King. We'll talk more about that. Um, but, uh, and Rihanna fish, they've had them in both in a bunch of movies and, but they're also sort of moving away from mysteries. It feels like, I mean, the fact that we only gotten, I think five this year, we got five mysteries. Uh, and, uh, and so they're kind of, I think, I don't know if they are that excited about starting new series and, and, you know, we'll just see what they do at this point. They could probably change the name of Hallmark movies and mysteries to just make it Hallmark movies. (laughs) I agree. I was so excited to chat with you today because also I feel like Hallmarkies tends to have some of the inside info. (laughs) I was so confused about how many fewer mystery movies we had this year yeah, especially because they came with some fire in some of the, the in some of these plots. I think that morning show mysteries got such a good revamp. I think Mystery One Hundred and One had a really good cliffhanger. Like we need to know oh, what you liked the cliffhanger. Oh man, I did. I, just, like, I wanted to know what happened next because I thought we would get that cliffhanger. Yeah, and then a movie right after. To be Mm -hmm. like, and then this is what happens. They did a similar thing on Lifetime with the Fallen Angels book club, murder book club, something like that, where Mm -hmm. there was a cliffhanger, but then the next weekend they gave us another movie and resolved it. And I genuinely thought there would be a cliffhanger and like a month later we'd get another one. Well, the problem you have is that Jill Wagner got signed on to do a uh, series with Paramount+. Plus. I forget the title. It's like Roar or something like that. I don't know. Um, but she had to get super, super uh, in shape for it. Like she's uh, just ripped right now. Um, and she, uh, so I think that that was part of the problem is that, I mean, Christopher Palaha is very busy with his books and with uh, being in Jurassic Dominion and things like that. So I think that the, that they probably wanted to do another one for that one. Uh, but now with all the changes and everything, I, and with uh, schedules, I, it was, I don't think we're going to get, I don't think we're going to get another one anytime soon. Did you hear what the Reddit streets were saying about Mystery 101 and Francesca Quinn? Oh yeah, this was so weird. So they were talking about that, that, there was like a connection between Mystery 101 and Francesco Quinn. They saw that it's the same writer for both films. Mm-hmm. And they think that Francesca Quinn is the script that Christopher was mentioning when he talked about having a script ready for the next Mystery 101 movie. Because in Francesca Quinn, if we want to jump into that one, yeah, the plot is that Francesca Quinn, played by Mary- Mallory Jansen, her fiance, Carl, played by Derek Kuhn, is murdered. And that's essentially the um, cliffhanger in Mystery 101, where the crush finds out that a victim is the protagonist's fiance. And we don't get much more info past that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I. I, well, let's talk about uh, Francesca Quinn, P.I. The the summary on IMDb is when private investigator Francesca uh, Quinn's fiance is murdered, his sister hires her to find the killer. 
Frankie must work with Wynn, the local detective assigned to the case. So if they like reworked a Mystery 101 script into this, I think they did a very bad job because it was incredibly confusing. I thought I'm not going to, I feel like I'm not going to do the best job kind of recapping this one because it felt like every scene was a new character. Like, why are they introducing this character? What does this have to do? They had so many red herrings. It was, I thought, a total mess. I think this is one of the worst mysteries they've ever done. To me, it felt like they had a whole season worth of stories. Like they'd shot like a whole season. They're like, oh, we only got greenlit for one movie. We're going to cram it all into one movie. (laughs) Um, And I don't know. Like I I didn't even realize at first that this guy was, this Carl was her fiance. Uh, And then I had to kind of look back. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just thought it was very messy. I completely agree for a movie to open with her dad being the chief of police. And then she is helping investigate this serial killer. And when is working on that case too. And then it turns out the serial killer was the chief's wife. And then we fast forward a year from, I guess, that very quickly told story and backstory. And then we find ourselves with her and now a dead fiance. And now she has to get back with Wynn to figure out what happened. And the serial killer is like still in the fray in the story. And then there's the fiance's book publisher, which who looks sketchy. There is a person who works at the prison who looks sketchy there were several people that I was looking at funny and it kind of made everything unreliable. I know we often talk about like an unreliable narrator in a story. I felt like I didn't know up from down watching it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I always have, uh, when I talk about these mysteries, I have four categories. I have the victim, I have the murderer, the red herrings and the family, I call family fun. Mm-hmm. That goes all the way back to Garage Sale Mysteries because there was always like some kind of family shenanigans. Yeah. Um, so it just means like extra stuff uh, going on. So you have, yeah, Carl, the fiance of Frankie is murdered. And you do have this narration throughout the the movie where it's uh, giving you exposition, giving you supposed clues, you know, like uh, four seemingly unrelated, unrelated deaths. Uh, <laughs> is that and he died of a heart attack not something you see on a murder board <laughs> uh, and i mean it's a shame because i i do feel like uh that dylan bruce and mallory jansen had pretty good chemistry i like both of them as actors I agree. I think they had great chemistry, especially the line about the bracelet. While I did think it was kind of a silly thing for one adult to say to another adult, you could feel the (laughs) care between them as she said that although she never took off her engagement ring, she also put back on the bracelet he got her from when they were together a year prior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it starts out, you see uh, them kind of flirting or whatever, and then 
uh, we get a year later, uh, Carl's is, is uh, going to marry Frankie and, uh, and Carl has this book that she doesn't want him to publish uh, about, I guess, that has some of their relationship in it or something. You, you can't publish that. <laughs> yes, he alleges that she and Wynn really did want each other despite whatever is pulling them in different directions. Which, now that I think about it, I wonder how that made it into a book about a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so Terrell Rothery. <laughs> I didn't even think about it until now, <laughs> truly, until I said it out loud to you. <laughs> Fans of the hit family drama Heartland know that Up Faith and Family is the only place to stream seasons 1 through 15 of Heartland, including hours of behind-the-scenes exclusive content. All 15 seasons of Heartland are available and ready to binge only on Up Faith and Family. If you love dramatic shows full of action and suspense, try the two new series, Mystic and Hudson and Rex. Binge both shows anytime on Up Faith and Family. Watch new series and premiere feel-good films like Finding Love in San Antonio, which debut first on Up Faith and Family. Go to upfaithandfamily.com slash hallmarkies today to sign up for your 14-day free trial. That's upfaithandfamily.com slash hallmarkies to sign up. Well, Terrell Rothery plays... Uh, Megan, who is the serial killer, uh, who is the wife of uh, Pop, uh, so her uh, Frankie's stepmom, and she had fun with this role. She really like dove into it and like brought the camp that you'd want. She seemed like she was in another movie than this movie, but sh- she had fun. I could tell. A star, a star. Yeah, <laughs> truly, her scenes were my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And usually they don't go the serial killer uh, mm-hmm. route when it comes to Hallmark. Usually it's just like one, maybe, you know, like one person that's getting revenge or bitter or something like that. Yeah, this movie felt darker for yeah. that reason as well. I was surprised by the choice of serial killer. Yes, like as Hallmark mystery movie viewers, we understand that the rate of murder in a tiny town where you see like 30 people at all times at most, if one person is in theory dying every few months, yeah, they probably have a huge violence and murder issue, even though the town looks adorable. (laughs) In this case, they jumped right in and said, we also have serial killers. Like we have adorable bakeries, apple spice donuts, and serial killers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And... So yeah, there were so many red herrings in this. You had at a point like Wynn gets arrested, so like he's a potential serial, he's a potential uh, uh, murderer. You have Kim. Uh, I'm trying to remember who Kim was. Kim. Was that the um, publisher? Yeah. Then um, Bill and Kim are together. Um. And uh, and then Bill goes to the house to get insulin, and Kim tells him to wipe down the security tapes and to not look at them. Um, oh yes, and then the specifically the framing of Win. So having the weapons in his house, 
putting his fingerprints on them, yeah. having the burner phones or whatever. That was a lot. <laughs> all of it together in one open box in his living room. I just, I'm no cop <laughs> by choice. I am, <laughs> I, I am the single biggest Brady cat on the planet. However, I just don't know. If I were on the scene, I would be like, I wonder why someone who was an otherwise as framed in this film, intelligent detective, even if he did do the crime, which anyone can do a crime, we'll learn in the next movie that it could even be law enforcement. Right. That he would just sort of have everything sitting there waiting for them. Like, I sure hope no one finds this all together in the same place in this neat little box. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And, uh, uh, but that's not even the end of the that's so also so Bill is a potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill is the um police officer, I think, right? I think so. Yeah. And then we have Christopher uh is um is a potential. Uh he breaks into her room at a point, but he has he has an alibi. Um but uh uh, but he, I uh, guess, like he he crashed the party, and anyway, so he's a potential. And then we also have the uh, the agent who was upset about I forget I didn't write down her name, but she was upset about the changes to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Harlan as the security guard. Harlan is his name. I forget who Bill. Bill is the Bill is security for um for Kim, I think. For one of the, he's, anyway, um, he's a character, Bill. I mean, this is evidence <laughs> of the fact that they introduced 37 people yes. in 80 yes. minutes. Yes, because then there's Sally, who's dating Wynn at the beginning. Uh, but Wynn is partners with Beatrice. And then you have, uh, you have Carl and Frankie and... You also have the meeting Ella, who is the agent, the detective from the uh, the city next city over. Um, so she gets involved. Uh, and yeah, there were just so many characters in this. And um, somebody said on Letterboxd said, even when cheesy Hallmark movies aren't good, they're usually fun. This isn't good or fun. And I think that that is a very good point. Mm, that's true. I would say even not to get into the next one, but I would say Nikki and Nora, I had more fun yeah. watching at least. Yes. Francesca Quinn P.I. was just more dark, brooding. There's even a moment where she, I can't remember the phrasing, when they show up to the prison worker's house to confront him over buying that book, one of the red herrings. And she looks in the window of the car and in the exposition, in the narration, she's like, I know I'd seen that face. And then I remembered. And she was like, I feel like I'm falling fast, but I know I'm leaning in the right direction. It was something like that where I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah, the narration, it really leaned into parody at a certain point. I, I felt like, are we watching a Saturday Live skit? Like it was so, it was taking itself so seriously that it, it I don't know, that it almost felt like a joke. Uh, that Yeah. We're walking down the street 
<laughs> nice people don't walk in this part of town, you know, or just something like that. <laughs> That's really what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. It felt good to be working alongside Win again. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about it in the frame of like it does feel like a sketch. Yeah, yeah. It reached or something on like the. It almost felt like something on like the Muppets or you know or Sarah Live or whatever where they do like a parody of, uh, <laughs> this kind of crime noir. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it also doesn't make any sense that uh, Cheryl, Carl's sister, would hire Frankie to find out who killed him. Like, you wouldn't, like, even if she was successful in finding the person, you wouldn't want to hire her because then it's just going to be thrown out because of conflict of interest. It's not going to stand a trial. Oh, true. I didn't even think about that. I was mm-hmm. thinking from it. I was thinking of it from the perspective that they didn't seem to like each other. So I don't know that I would hire someone I didn't like. Yeah. Well, to and also investigate something so important. Like even if you really weren't that invested in the relationship with Carl, like as a human being, you'd be sad that he was murdered. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you wouldn't want like it's not like you're like well i wasn't really that engaged to him so i didn't really care that he got murdered like that's a sociopath (laughs) that was weird too (laughs) she truly was like whoo that's done i was trying to think how to get out of that one and that just sort of wrapped itself up for me like (laughs) i just found myself thinking like is she just sort of gonna feel it at any point it felt very convenient that he died. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It made everybody's life easier. <laughs> uh, so uh, we have, um, I didn't write down. So Bill is the head of this lady's security. I forgot to write down her name. Um, oh, it's Kim. That's Kim. So Bill is head of Kim's security. And Kim oh, was yes. kind of set up as this red herring of like this sort of greedy, uh, rude a- executive. Uh, her father selling the foundation uh, that she's been using and the house. Um, and Bill and Kim are together. Um, Frankie's kind of intruding on them, bothering them. And Kim was Carl's next of kin. So if like the book, I guess, did well, then. Um, and a, she's the one that tells him to tells Bill to wipe the security tapes. Um, and Carl recommend Bill for the job, and uh, we find out that Megan also recommended him. And Megan wanted to introduce Bill to Carl, and Carl was a, was a weekly visitor to Megan, so the tangled web. <laughs> it's just like. And Francesca even calls Bill Uncle Bill. Yeah. Because he worked so closely with her dad. So everyone is touching everyone. Yes. Um, And then at a certain point, Christopher breaks in to her room. Like I said, he had an alibi, but he had altered, he had altered security tape at one point. So he's kind of there. He'd also visited Megan. uh, And Megan wanted Christopher to 
crash Carl's birthday party. Um, and then this agent is also Christopher's agent and Christopher's kind of jealous of Carl. Like I said, this is not like my greatest recap. I, because there was so much going on. My notes are a little confusing. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by W Rated, the podcast where we willingly watch the world's worst rated movies. Join me, Daisy. And me, Claire, as we break down the IMDb Bottom 100, choosing a different film from the list every episode. We take a deep dive into the plot, production, release and reviews, usually with a special guest to uncover if these films are truly as bad as everyone says they are. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Good Pods and anywhere else you find your podcasts. I genuinely forgot about the additional storyline. And I promise there is a notebook in front of me with notes. I know this is an audio medium, but I would show you the notebook if I could. I completely forgot about the competing author storyline. Yeah. Truly from the bottom of my heart. I was like, who is Christopher? What is she talking about? And I just remembered that he wanted the deal Carl got or something like that for the books. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. I forget why he broke into Frankie's room. Oh, yeah. That's gone. I'm so sorry. That's gone <laughs> from my memory. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yes. So, the whole time also, her father knows about all of the shenanigans going on between Bill and Christopher and Carl and Megan and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I, it's got to be kind of upsetting for not only for her dad to be married to a serial killer, but to be a cop and be married to a serial killer. The boss of the cops. Yeah, the boss of the cops. I mean, I guess he does resign at the beginning. Yeah, that's yeah. like <laughs> really embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I understand sometimes you miss some things, but they put that together pretty fast when they put that little murder board together. Yeah. So then we have Beatrice doing some investigating. Uh, She visits Mrs. Parker, who's like this older woman. And uh, she says, oh, well, I fell asleep watching TV. Uh, And so I guess, I don't know if they are... How, uh, if she is also a red herring of some kind, or at least investigating her as some kind of red herring. And um, uh, Carl evidently told Megan uh, that he wouldn't visit her again. Uh, but then Christopher is very upset. And then we get the line, who among us is incapable of murder? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully all of us. I mean, I uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, also, the storyline of the older woman falling asleep and having her home ransacked. What did they call that? The Nightingale or something thefts? Mm-hmm. There was there were like a string of thefts that the partner was also investigating where people were falling asleep in their homes and then things were getting stolen, but not necessarily things of value, just like odd stuff here and there. And... I understand that they try to pull in a lot of red herrings, but yeah. as soon as she said that, like as soon as they had that conversation, investigator and the person who fell asleep, and then like a f- few scenes later when Wynn is taken in and his alibi is that he was asleep, 
I was like, oh, it's the person that feeds all of them, making them go to sleep. Like, it just yeah took me a moment. And I truly, with these movies, I love being in the movie. I love gasping when they reveal the killer. I don't often even try to put it together. I like having it presented to me. In this case, I was like, maybe because there were so many red herrings and so many distractions, I didn't think about any of them. I just was like, oh, he's asleep, she's asleep. They slept for the same reason. Yeah, it became so convoluted that it actually became boring, which is... Yeah. Yeah. So then the what actually happened just stuck out immediately. Yeah. So we get this whole conversation between Frankie and Wynn and do you think I ever stopped loving you? <laughs> and, uh, and, and he says, he proposed and I said, yes, but I shouldn't have. And <laughs> I was again, waiting for anyone in that conversation to hit the other with like an RIP to sort <laughs> anything. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, can anyone pour one out for Carl? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we also have, uh, then we have Wynn getting arrested, and because Beatrice finds the bloody knife at Wynn's place, and uh, and then so then Ella and Frankie look at Wynn's room, and he has these books, these special like they're basically like ARC early numbered books mm-hmm. um, and he uh, and supposedly they could get $1,500 for this one book um, and uh, and so then yeah Wynn also falls asleep watching TV and uh, and so then Frankie sees uh, sees Harlan and they have that they run the security guard that she had seen with Megan um, and there's this whole chase. Um, and he is the one who got the book. Anyway, he's been in cahoots with Megan. Um, and uh, we also have Sally, who has been introduced, who is the act, who is the daughter of Megan or, or was placed for adoption. And evidently had tried to reconnect with her birth mother, but then she finds out she's she's uh, a serial killer. It's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> and Sally is dating Wynn. Yes, Sally's dating Wynn. And uh, so they release Wynn and they're looking for Sally. And there's this whole scene where Frankie gets this fish thrown at her. <laughs> oh yeah, gross. Like a literal red herring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, and so then Sally confronts Frankie and Frankie's forced to call Wynn and and Wynn's there with her dad, which made no sense to me. Why on earth would you want her to call Wynn and tell them to come and find her and help her? Uh that was so confusing to me. <laughs> Right like, now, I feel like it's the last already, thing you'd want to do. Yes, it is already one on one with Francesca being a pretty strong person, was in yeah. the force, probably knows how to fight. Sally's already at a little bit of a disadvantage. She has the gun, which gives her the ultimate advantage, of course. But if anything happens to that gun, it's a wrap. And so, why would she call or why would she tell Francesca? Like, 
go ahead, bring back up that is likely armed. Yeah. I want I actually I want to take on like 10 people because that's how strong I am. <laughs> I was so the last person you're gonna want to call is a literal police officer. Yes. A cop and a former cop. Yeah. And uh, so then it turns out that Megan orchestrated everything uh, to get between Wynn and Frankie. And she wrote the notes to Wynn. And she, so she had Sally murder Carl and then try to stage it for Wynn. And when then, so when we find out that Sally is Megan's daughter. So. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also don't know how long-term this plan is for Megan because as soon as they were like, Sally is caught and she's going to have all this pinned on her. She immediately is like, no, 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 it was my idea. Girl, she's already yeah. killed someone. It's a wrap for both of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like a wild decision from someone through the whole movie has been painted as this very cunning, clever person. Yeah. So then we have Wynn and Frankie hugging at the end. And somebody on Letterboxd asked a question, did they get engaged? There was a ring on her finger at the end and absolutely no reason for her to wear her old one. Oh, was it a different ring? I don't know. I don't know. Or just a ring. Yeah. Or, but she's right. There's no reason why she would wear her old one if he's dead. That's true. She was still wearing it in that conversation where they confronted each other about Mm -hmm. having crushes on each other. But I agree. That's interesting. Letterboxd, those people really have their third eyes (laughs) open. I'll put my link from my Letterboxd in the description (laughs) because y'all should follow on there. But but this was my little summary that I wrote. I said, this one was unusually bad. A total mess of characters and exposition. It's like they took a season worth of story and characters and crammed it into one episode. I like everyone involved in this, but wow, I think they probably should have left this one unaired. I agree. Yeah. So I give it one crown out of five. I will go slightly above and go with two exclusively because some of the narration did make me laugh out loud. (laughs) And I loved our villain. Yeah, she was that. That's fair. That's fair. We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode. And that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell, Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. All right, well, let's talk about Nikki and Nora's sister, Sluice. And uh, in this one, you have uh, fraternal twins, Nikki and Nora, are forced back into each other's lives when they re- when they inherit a detective agency. As they solve a murder, they realize their differences may be their greatest advantage. 
So I was digging this. Like I said earlier, I thought this was, I liked all the, the leads and everything, but I felt like it fell apart in the final act, which is a big problem for a mystery. If the, uh, if the murderer doesn't make sense, then it's a problem. Uh, mm. They, um, you know, they had the red herrings. They had uh, the, they had two victims in this case. Um, and you, the murderer was just like, it felt like something they made up last minute because something happened with the actor or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it made no sense to me. I agree. I liked 95% of this movie. I thought they did really fun storytelling. I liked the chemistry between Nikki and Nora. And I agree that the red herrings were good. Like opening it with that bad marriage on the rocks. I loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. It starts off with this man who uh, who has is like washing off blood and wine. And, uh, and then you see a woman has been murdered. And uh, and uh, we find out that uh, Rhiannon Nora is uh, a lawyer for these people at the beginning, and and then we are introduced to Madison Smith's character, uh, who they have some nice banter between Nora and Robbie is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a detective cop whatever that's looking into all of this and really they work together because she's uh an attorney and uh, i didn't write down she's a she's a defense attorney right yes yeah yeah um and then uh we have uh nikki she's uh she's an actress she's auditioning for things she's getting excited but she struggles to get the parts um she is going to be evicted from her apartment uh, the landlady uh, is gives her like two days, I think, to get mm-hmm. out. Um, and then they find out that they that this person that they didn't even know has left this detective agency to them. And uh, so that was a so that was a pretty fun setup. Yeah. And the, the sisters don't get along well. Uh, their parents were murdered when they were seventeen. And they both kind of responded to it differently. And that's uh, been challenging for them in their relationship. It was interesting to see Hallmark explore a storyline like that where they clearly had to be on their own since they were kids. And they hadn't spoken in I can't remember how many years they said. So to have twins be that separated from each other and then being forced to come together because of this odd estate situation was really interesting storytelling for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd been like five years. It'd been a while. Yeah. It was a significant talked. amount of time yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, um, we find out that Robbie uh, was uh, in juvie and he says, well, one mistake shouldn't define a person forever. Um, we also have uh, this other man who was murdered named George. And so then it, they almost kind of forget about the woman murdered. Yes. We don't do. really get to hear a lot about. Because it's the mayor who murders her, right? Isn't it Ashford? 
at the beginning? Yes, I think so. And they yeah, don't really. It's the, it's the client. Mm-hmm. And we, his assistant, finds the gun in the safe, and this guy, um, uh, this guy, George, his, um, let's see here. Uh, so this guy, George, he is his wife is having an affair. So that's a red herring that they have. Did you think that was compelling? Cause she lies first and then they get the security camera from the neighbor, neighbor next door. Uh, and the lady's all like, <laughs> I don't know, rude about getting this, getting them the, the footage. It's like, why would you have a, the whole point of having a security camera footage <laughs> for things like this? Uh, and anyway, so they, they get that and they find out that she was lying uh, about being at a friend's, but she was really with her boyfriend. I thought that was really good. The tension between her and her husband where he's like, where are you off to? And she's like, I'm just going to go see Grace or whatever that person's name uh-huh. was. Yeah. And say hi like, to Grace oh, for me. Yeah. Say hi to Grace. Oh, that was good. I was I was genuinely edge of my seat. That was good. Like it was just tension. Yeah. And so they claim that George's death is a suicide at first. So that's kind of a red herring. Um, yes. And, and yeah, you have the cheating wife. And then you also have Sanchez, who is the chief, uh, who is looking a little shady at times. Like he might be. Um, he threatens Robbie at a point. Um, he doesn't like he tampered with evidence, nor doesn't trust him. So. It seems like Sanchez Sanchez was bribed at a certain point. They follow him. Uh, he goes back to get his wallet. And there's this whole scene where she's in the house and he's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a definite red herring. We also have this man named Mitch who hates uh, George and hates Ashcraft. Ashcraft. And he has a son named Mason, who's the one that destroys the statue, right? Yes. Yes. Two separate occasions where Mason (laughs) overheard the murderer talking to George during his vandalism, but didn't Mm -hmm. do the murder crime, just did the vandalism crime. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think that that Mitch and Mason were good red herrings? I thought they were good red herrings in the sense that you and I were talking about this a little bit before we recorded. It's never the first couple suspects you meet, but with those two, I liked that they were still connected with the outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so then we find out that, uh, that Robbie has a niece who is needs surgery. Who's deaf. Uh, and so you get, that's the only real hint that he could have motivation, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we, but then we have this whole scene where Robbie and Nora have a kiss first it's a near kiss. And then they have like kiss kiss. 
and because Nora gets spooked by uh, the burglary, um, Robbie Robbie comes to look at the burglary, and and someone's been at because someone's burglarized at Nora's house. The papers have all been gone through, and uh, and then we get this kiss, and Robbie says, uh, "Sorry about that," and she says. Uh, Robbie says, I meant it, but I regret the way it happened. So, you know, we're feeling pretty good about Robbie at this point. I really liked him. Yeah. I mean, we love Madison Smith. He's great. I mean, charming. Yeah. Can speak ASL. I was like, this is my guy. Yes. And uh, so then we find out that uh, when Sanchez comes back, we I totally thought that he was going to be the guy. It's going to be Sanchez. And then it turns out that it's Robbie and Sanchez knew about it and uh, that Robbie met with George uh, that offered him a bribe to help his niece. And then he ends up killing George. Um, but that Ashcraft, Ashcroft killed the woman uh, and he was going to walk away. And so that made Robbie angry. He says, uh, I had no choice. And they're like, there was, there's always a choice. So then you get this whole scene with Nora apologizing to Sanchez and, uh, and it just, it did not make sense. The Robbie was the murderer. Like again, usually in these sort of like the second or third person is usually the, the, the murderer and not the red herring. But I mean, yes, they established some motivation, I guess, uh, because of his niece, but, it didn't make sense as far as how they were building up the clues to lead us to there. Like when you go back and you're just like, what? It really felt like this was a last minute change that like, I was just thinking, what did Madison Smith get another role in a series or something like that? And they couldn't have him on the show. <laughs> Cause why would you build him up to be the love interest too? It doesn't make any sense. I agree. We usually don't see our hallmark leading ladies kiss in these movies and certainly not, a man who ends up not being their one and only for whatever reason. And then in this case with Robbie, I hate that they made a point of saying that you shouldn't be defined by one mistake as a child. Mm Because then it's kind of like, are you connecting whatever he did as a child to be in juvenile detention to his behavior as an adult? I didn't like that they did that. Yeah. And I agree with you that it felt less like a, whoa, surprise, and more like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And then it felt like they were retconning a little bit this, like, spicy relationship between Nora and Sanchez where, like, are they fighting or is it just flirting? Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, this guy was not good. Like, he was bribes, a, a sketchy character. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very weird. And uh, so at the end, we have Nora and Nikki making up and deciding, well, maybe we should keep the detective agency. And they have a whole uh, file folder uh, or a whole cabinet, filing cabinet with uh, in progress uh, investigations, including a whole file on their parents. And so that was kind of the cliffhanger. So if they do do more in the series, which honestly, I hope they do, because I did like I liked them. But I just I don't know. I just felt like that was a waste of Madison Smith, who's great. And it just didn't make sense. It wasn't good writing. 
I agree. I'd love to see more. I think Nikki and Nora had wonderful chemistry, despite it kind of falling apart right at the end there. Mm-hmm. I was really intrigued by that in-progress file folder and the idea that obviously this person is connected with their parents. That's really fascinating. And mm-hmm. we didn't talk too much about Nikki, but she was really funny. Yeah. I loved watching her use her like okay acting skills, not the actor, but the character, right, you know, right. like her okay acting skills to convince people to like let her see security footage or let her into a space or sort of like social engineering people to get clues for the mystery. I thought that was a really fun way for her to present her skills, which is like one of those classic tropes in these procedurals where there's like a writer like Castle or an actor or someone who has this other skill that they bring and it helps them solve mysteries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like the way they did it with her. Yeah. Yeah, she was fun. Yeah, Hallmark's definitely a big fan of both of these actresses right now. They're really pushing them in a lot of stuff. And I think they're, there's reason they're they're really charming. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd give this one two and a half crowns, I guess. Okay. I think I would give it a solid three. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That is these two mysteries. <laughs> Uh, let us know what you think uh, of uh, of these two mysteries. Uh, and if you are able to keep track of Francesca Quinn better than me, then God bless you. And let us know in the comments. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but we love to hear your thoughts. And uh, me too. Thanks so much. This was a lot of fun to talk about. Thank you for having me. And how can people find your podcast and everything you do? For sure. BJ usually does this part, but I will try my best. <laughs> you can find the pilot podcast on all podcasting platforms and the pilotpodcast.com. And then you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the pilot pod. Great. And uh, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. Also, make sure you're following the podcast at Homework's Pod and Homework's Podcast, all of our social media. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews for both of our podcasts. That would help so much. And if you are listening on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. And we sure appreciate that. We also have our patron group and merch store. Take a look at that. We've got a bunch of new festive designs up. So take uh, definitely take a look at that. And uh, thanks so much again. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.